Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. But pretty much in many of our places today, they will say this. Please bless this organization, this meeting, the whatever. But how you end it, please do not use the name Jesus. You say, well, Pastor Mark, they wouldn't do that, would they? Yeah. And I ask now up front, not in a harsh way, can I end the prayer the way I believe? Well, yes, as long as you say God, but you can't say Jesus. See, Jesus is the problem. But Jesus is the solution. Love for the world is a trap. Pastor Mark will share with us this truth through a story at the beginning of today's message. John isn't telling us not to love unsaved people. Rather, he's warning us against adopting world philosophy. The world lusts after desires and pleasures, placing hope in possessions and achievements. A Christ follower who exhibits that kind of lifestyle cannot succeed in selfless love. What's worse, a person who invests time and resources in the things of this world will miss out on the everlasting benefit of loving others. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 for part one of our message entitled, Don't Love the World. Turn to 1 John chapter 2 as we're going to verse by verse and know that you know that you know that you know. 1 John chapter 2. I want to get your mind moving this morning. Somebody brings you a double chocolate chip brownie. It's probably the only amen I'll get in the whole service, but I got one. That's good. The icing's about an inch thick of chocolate. And then somebody comes in with a Haagen-Dazs butter pecan and just puts a big two scoops right on top. Sprig of real whipped cream and a cherry. And you put it in the microwave for 10 seconds. Whoa. Let's just go to heaven right now. How many, and I'll be honest with you, how many of you are tempted right now? How many of you are tempted right now? I know. I should have never did this at the beginning of the service. But I want you to turn to your neighbor and say this. Temptation is tempting. Temptation is tempting. All of the campuses, turn to your neighbor and tell them right now, would you? Well, in case you don't know it, our world has changed. Very different. And I'm, I was watching and looking at the USA Today a few months ago, and I went, I have to have that article. It was right in the headlines. Here's what it looks like. Take a look. This isn't new in our world, but this kind of area is new. It's a new website, and it says this. An opportunity for romance, afternoon sex, or affairs can be booked at our boutique hotel rooms for a few hours. And when you go to the website, I didn't go to the website. This is on the newspaper. <laughs> 
Where's my amen there? I mean, come on, man, oh man. Here's what it says in the first line. How about a naughty nap in a sexy hotel with your sex partner? And then it gives us a story of someone, a real story. Mr. Davis knew it was wrong, but he began cheating on his wife while traveling for work simply because it was easy. A lot of times when the company pays for you to go on these exclusive places with great scenery, you're away from everything. You kind of wish your spouse were there, but they're not. A co-worker and former girlfriend was there instead of his wife, and on one particular work trip, one thing simply led to another. And the two ended up together. Their affair lasted a year, and their liaisons only took place when they were traveling on the road together. Now divorced, he recalls regretting every single time he cheated on his then wife. I felt shame. I was embarrassed, he says. It was a very guilty feeling. I don't know that he's even a believer. Especially when I had to come back home facing my wife and knowing about the infidelity. You see, temptation is tempting. But Satan never tells us the end result of the temptation. This is our new world. Oh, that isn't new, but it's expanding. It's plummeting in morality. Now, last weekend, the Apostle Paul, speaking to church members like here in Melbourne, Riviera, Sebastian, the work camp, he just said to them, I'm assuring you that you're a believer. I'm encouraging you. And he talked about the younger, brand new believers and then those that have been growing in the mature. And he just said, I'm proud of you. You're walking with God. That's fantastic. But then all of a sudden, John says this, I need to warn you. I'm encouraging you. You're doing great. But I need to warn you. Well, this morning, I want to warn you. And when you think about that, he warns us about one of our three spiritual enemies. First thing I want you to do in all of our campuses, would you write this down this morning? Every Christ follower has three spiritual enemies. The world, that's the one we're going to focus on because that's the one John addresses today. The flesh and the devil. If you turn to 1 John chapter 2, notice what you just wrote. Every Christ follower. There's no exception. Now the exception are those of you that are not yet a believer. You're already in Satan's control. That's a deception to you. You don't believe that, but you'll see as we go through, it's true. So he's not tempting you to sin. You're already in sin where we all started. But look at what John does. First John chapter 2, verse 15. Watch what he says. Now do not, here comes the warning, do not love the world. Now he's not talking about mountains and water and being green and taking care of our world. He's not talking about the physical world. He's talking about the spiritual world. Do not love the world or anything in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, he's talking spiritually, the cravings of sinful men, the, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, not from God, but from the world. 
There's two things I want you to write, and I'll give you time to write it. Here they go. Number one, what is this world that we're not supposed to love? What's this warning about? Well, here it is. Write it down. It's the invisible spiritual system that Satan rules. It's the culture that we live in. It's our world, the, the world you live in. It's invisible. You, you don't see this battle. You see the outcome of it. You see the temptations of it. Hello, chocolate fudge ice cream Sunday. But you don't see the outcome of it, especially in the spiritual world. Now, what is the goal? What is the goal of this invisible system called the world that he's warning us about? Here's why John's warning us. Look at it operates independent from God and actually in rebellion against God. Against God. So you can see a battle setting up the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. God is in heaven. Satan is ruling this earth. Now, you're in the right book, 1 John chapter 2, but scoop back to John, 1 John chapter 5. Go right to verse 19, and I want you to see how this operates. You'll see it clearly. John writes, all of our campuses, those of you watching online, notice what he says. 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are children of God. He's speaking to the believers. And that the whole world, notice, the whole world is under the control of the evil one, is under the control of Satan. So Satan is the god of this spiritual world system. But he doesn't rule alone. He also controls many demons. Now let me bring you back to something just before you write the next note. Satan initially was the worship leader in heaven. And then because of pride, he wanted to be like God. He, God threw him down and he became the God of this earth. There came the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. But Satan didn't leave heaven alone. One third of the angels chose to go with him. So those one third are demons. And what you have to understand is this. Many people, when they think of God and Satan, think of God and Satan equal. They're not equal. God was never created. Satan is a created being. God is all-powerful. He's everywhere at the same time. He's all-knowledgeable. Satan is not. Satan can only be in one place at one time. But, so he has to have all these other demons that carry out his work. So when you see this world system... We live right in the middle of it. I want you to write this because sometimes we forget this. Next thing you want to write, all of our campuses, spiritual warfare is real. It's not like, a well, there's a devil and his little pitchfork and what. No, no, it's real. And as a Christ follower, you are right smack dab in the middle of it. There's no way to get around it. That's where we live, the culture that we live in. It is absolutely real. You see, the moment you became a Christ follower, a lifelong spiritual war began. And John reminds us that Satan and demons are real. Some of you are already deceived. You're not a believer yet. And you will say, well, I know God's real, but there's no such thing as Satan. That's ridiculous. Some kind of force out there, and it's not real. No, he's very real. And you say, well, I don't believe it. Then you're already deceived by him. Here's another thing people think. I'm not serving God, but I'm not serving Satan. Automatically you are. No, I'm serving myself. No, 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 you're deceived. He controls you. He rules you. That's deception. 
So now think about this. What is the goal of Satan? It's to steal and to kill and to destroy. So, and, and the main method Satan uses to do all that damage in spiritual warfare is what we already introduced you to. Temptation. He uses temptation because temptation is always attractive. And it has behind it a deception that we often miss. Now, go back to 1 John chapter 2, verse 17, and let me show you what Satan's after. And then we'll be going to show you the three warnings we have and then the four solutions to the warning. Look at verse 17. The world and its desires pass away. In other words, this world is going to be pretty much gone and we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. So John reminds us there's something very important for a Christian to do. It's to love God and do his will. You see, when I'm doing the will of God, I'm accomplishing the purposes of God. So you're going to see that everything Satan does against us is to get us sidetracked from the will of God. Because when I'm not doing the will of God, then I'm not accomplishing the mission of the church. And very often I'm off the message of the church. I'm in some side issue on the side and fooling around with stuff that makes absolutely no sense at all. So all of these temptations I'm going to show you this morning at all of our campuses, they're simply about this. Write it down. Temptation. It leads us into sin. That's where he wants to take us. But there's always pleasure at the beginning. And then away from God's will. Away from God's will. Now, because Satan is a great deceiver, and by the way, a liar, that's what he's known as, we have a hard time understanding how Satan can influence our world. And John says, 2,000 years ago, there's Antichrist in the church. And then he talks about the Antichrist, which happens in the book of Revelation, mentioned also in the book of Daniel. So I'm going to teach about that. But where are we with this morning? The reason I'll teach you on it is our culture is eroding. Our culture. The kind of things we do in our nation, not just our nation, but the whole world, it's just eroding. And we have to find a way to make sure that doesn't affect us. Now, let me show you with common everyday things how Satan infuses his mindset. And I'll begin to read these to you, and you might question them, but just begin thinking what this world system looks like and how Satan infiltrates his idea, his immorality into these. Now listen, philosophy, psychology, governments, culture, the world of education, science, art, medicine, music, economic systems, Entertainment, sports, agriculture, religion, mass media, including all kinds of things. A TV, music, internet, Facebook. You say, well, Pastor Mark, what are you talking about? Well, here's agriculture. God designed agriculture to feed us. But God never designed agriculture to produce drugs, marijuana, all kinds of drugs. He never designed... God, with agriculture, to have alcohol that would come from that, that would simply destroy lives? How about medicine? The day after pill. Just take this three days later, you can have an abortion. 
God never designed medicine to do that. Medicine's wonderful. He never designed medicine to do that. How about world religion? Well, Pastor Mark, what do you mean? World religion's good. No, world religion is not good. Satan's infiltrated. Well, how do you know? Well, you've heard this. It doesn't matter what you believe, just so you believe. Well, that's not God's way. How about this one? All roads lead to God. Really? No, that's not true. How did that get into the church? And how about this one? Good people, well, good people always go to heaven. No, that's not true. And how about this one that we hear in our church? Well, some of the Bible's true. Really? What part? Thank you, God. You're smart enough, huh? No. So see, you can see education. Any, anyone here think in our education system, Satan's infiltrated it? How about in our government? I'm not talking politically. Nobody can get along up there. All they care about is who? Themselves. So understand, this is the goal. This is all the way Satan works. So if I can bring it down to something, because you're in the war and I'm in the war as well, what does that look like? Here's the next thing to write. Satan's goal is simply, he doesn't hide this. It's to oppose God. He hates you because you're salt and light. He hates Christ followers. He hates the word of God because it's truth and powerful and righteous standards. See, I can go to a political place and they ask for me to do an opening prayer. I can do that. No problem. Love to do that. But pretty much in many of our places today, they will say this. Please bless this organization, this meeting, the whatever. But how you end that please do not use the name Jesus. You say, well, Pastor Mark, they wouldn't do that, would they? Yeah. And I ask now up front, not in a harsh way, can I end the prayer the way I believe? Well, yes, yeah, as long as you say God, but you can't say Jesus. See, Jesus is the problem. But Jesus is the solution. Now, how did that happen? How did that happen in our world? Satan, it's eroding. It's changing dramatically in front of our eyes. Now, go back to verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Notice the dichotomy here. If anyone loves the world, if you put the world before God, then the love of the Father is not in you. So what John is giving us is a no from God. No. Would you just turn to your neighbor and say, a no from God is good for me. Go ahead. Just, just say that to your neighbor at all our campuses. How many of you, when you became 21 and 22, realized that your parents were actually pretty smart when you were a teenager? Could I see your head? Yeah. Because when you're a teenager, they said what? No! And you said, what? My parents are crazy. <laughs> so a no from God is not bad. It's good for us this morning, all of our campuses. So don't be negative. We need to learn together. We must put God first in our lives. Now, worldliness, if you go back and some of you have been in church a long while, worldliness was usually only defined by us as some kind of outward behavior. And so we would come up in the churches with lists of things not to do. If I love the world, I won't do this. And I'll start with this one. Some of you are old enough to remember it. We don't smoke. We don't drink. We don't chew. Or, see, three of them knew it. Or, or go. Let, let me read it to you again. We don't smoke. We don't drink. We don't chew. And we don't go with girls that do. Thank you very much. I'm holy. See, it's all what? It's all outward. 
It's all outward. But John says, wait a minute. I'm not teaching about that. We can do all these things that are sinful in our hearts and minds without doing them outwardly. So in other words, it's fairly easy for you to understand that when Jesus came in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus said this, you know God has given us in the Ten Commandments, it's a sin to commit adultery. And the disciples went, yeah, and the religious leaders went, yeah. And then Jesus said that, but I tell you, if a man or woman looks at another man or woman with lust in their heart, they've already committed adultery. What? So he moved it from the outward to where? Right here. So I don't care how clean you look on the outside, that's not what, that's not at all what John's talking about. Worldliness isn't really outside. Now, eventually, for sure, we live right when our heart's right. But it's all about the inside of us. And that's difficult because I can't see your heart. And you can't see my heart. But God can see it. So I want you to write this first so it'll make sense to you as we go through. It's not these do's and don'ts. Well, you don't have this. No, it's not that. Look, look at it. Loving the world is all about the attitude of our heart. It's not about these external things. We made too much of that all these years. It's not about the external thing. It's about the heart. And that's why Jesus said he went right back out of the heart come all these things. You can go to Matthew and see all these things that come out of our heart. Things that we, we get angry at somebody. Jesus said you just murdered them. I never murdered a person in my life. You just murdered them in your heart. So that's a hard thing because he takes it to another whole level because really as we think in our hearts, so we become. So that's what it's about. Now, I'm going to read verse 16 in the New King James because I'm going to use their, their wording. I like it better. Now, let me read it to you. For all that is in the world, he lists three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. Doesn't come from God, but comes from this world system that we live in that's ruled by Satan. Now let me show you what, I think it'll be a good illustration for you today, what temptation looks like. Take a look on the overhead. You see an octopus. See, an octopus has tentacles. And that octopus can reach. He's got eight of them. He can reach around. And temptation is like an octopus. The world's tentacles wrapping around us, making us ineffective, getting us away from the will of God. And so today I want to talk to you about three tentacles. I think they'll be easy for you. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And they're all about not outward things. I mean, it shows outwardly, but it's really about the attitude of our hearts. So here's the first one. Write it down this morning. Remember, these three are part of your enemy. It's not so, you say, well, Pastor Martin, this sermon has nothing to do with me. If you're breathing, it has everything to do with you. This is what happens. This is the way Satan tempts you. If I don't know the enemy and his ways, I will always be defeated. So listen up. Write it up on all of our campuses. Number one, the lust of the flesh is about my passions. The desire to do something apart from God's will. Did you know that there are temptations around every corner? Pastor Mark told us that every Christ follower has three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. These enemies are ready to battle for your soul. It's a real battle that we can't see. It rages around us every minute of the day. Satan is the lead commander of this battle. He wants to lead us away from God's will, the Bible, and righteous standards. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed. Or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira Campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, we learn that we may think we're tempted, but God's Word tells us that it's all around us. It entices our flesh, our eyes, and our pride. These three areas are used by Satan to make us walk away from the will of God. It happens when we give in to our old sinful nature, which is opposite of what God wants. Pastor Mark will tell us that we can combat these temptations, and it is our choice. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of 1 John. That's next time on Lessons for Living. has seen and our ears have heard his word made flesh in a hurting world a new hope he is giving lord let us hear your